Hi everyone, good morning. While yesterday's DT was one of the most beloved passages in the Bible, Psalm 23, today we're going to be talking about Genesis 3, which in my mind is one of the most tragic chapters in the Bible. Just three chapters into the biblical narrative, we find the story of man's fall away from God. We know this story really well. You know, the serpent tricks Eve by causing her to doubt God's goodness and appealing um, to that desire in all of us that wants to be like God, at least God of our own lives. Adam then shares of the fruit, knowing full well that the fruit, um, knowing full well what God had said about the fruit. And then they all blame each other for their fall, and thus a cycle of sin begins. And so it's a sad, sad chapter. Um, and yet at the same time, it's also one that brings a lot of hope, as well as showing God's love for us. And through it, we begin to see glimpses of the gospel message and God's plan for salvation for man. So I want to look at this chapter today from and from the perspective mostly of relationships. Um, remember before creation, we believe God was already in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God, being the loving person that he is, also created us for relationship um, with him. So I'm not going to be talking about too much about the fall, the particular fall part, uh, other than to say how sad it is that the serpent is able to sow distrust so quickly into Eve about the goodness of God, right? Putting doubt in the relationship. Let's think about how the ending of relationships often begins when one side begins to doubt um, the other person's love for them. And I think that's one of Satan's biggest weapons to get us to not believe, not to disbelieve God altogether, but to doubt his goodness, especially when bad things happen. Okay, so um, I just want to skip forward to verse 8 and observe the fact that um, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it's amazing, right? Before the fall, a man had this special relationship with God where God was physically walking among men. You know, God didn't just create man and say, see you later, good luck. But he was regularly walking alongside man. You know, again, God is the God of relationships. He created man with relationship with himself. And so here we see, um, you know, this this beautiful picture and then, a sad picture because all of a sudden man begins to hide um, in verse 8 from the presence of the Lord. And um, it's really interesting how ingrained this is in us. Um, you know, when I think about my son Nate, I think uh, one of the first times he felt shame was during when he was potty training. Uh, he knew he wasn't supposed to poop his pants. Um, and so there would be times where he would do so on accident. And sadly, instead of just telling uh, Chris and I about this, um, almost without fail, each time. Uh, he had an accident uh, he would go into a corner and, and be really quiet and just hide from us and i'm like oh my gosh this is genesis 3 in action you know ultimately uh, we are told in the bible that sin separates it causes us to go into isolation and hiding and that's what we see from the very beginning and that's what we still do now um but god god um you know he asked this question where are you and it's a very relational question because you know god knows where man is um, but he knows something's up, right? So he asked the question to give Adam and Eve a chance to reveal themselves, say, what have I done? Because ultimately God cares where we are. He cares what we've done with our lives. You know, where are you? What have you done? What have you not done? Why did you say that? Why did you do that shady thing? Why were you so selfish? You know, God asked these piercing questions because he cares too much to leave us alone. And like I mentioned before, God already knew what man did. Um, but here's the thing with God. And here's the thing with uh, relationships. You know, when someone wrongs you, there's two choices. One, you either forget about that person effectively ending the relationship, or you could bring it up. Um, you know, and God, being someone who cares about the relationship, he brings up what has happened. 
and this isn't actually an opportunity for confession for reconciliation right that's what we do in any relationship that matters now sadly man plays this blame game god is looking for confession he points a finger at the snake man points a finger at the woman um and so um what ensues next is uh, this list of curses um and, and even in this list of curses, though, we see a few interesting things. So in verse 15, uh, God tells the serpent, I will put enmity between um, uh, you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And here we even uh, from the very get go, we get this foreshadowing of the same year, savior to come who will bruise the head of serpent, uh, which is Satan, you know, just man right at the beginning when man first and god's already begun to enact his plan of salvation um, of man from the very first um sin and and that's a, that's just a kind of a cool thought to have um now in verse 19 um um he you know later on it says by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from out of it you are taken you are dust and to dust you shall return um the woman he cursed with pain and relational strife uh, within marriage and, um, you know, one thought I had here as I was thinking about these curses, I mean, why did God have to curse man? Why did God have to punish man? Um, and, you know, as I was thinking about these curses, I think one thing it does is it, it causes us to have a discontent uh, with our earthly home. You know, um, if we're experiencing pain, if we're experiencing a frustration in work, right? It, it, you know, I was thinking, you know, we look so much to relationships and to our work for our significance and joy and satisfaction. But perhaps part of the reason it's cursed is that God is trying to tell us we can't ultimately find significance and satisfaction here. That can only happen in God, right? And and um, oftentimes what we see is, man, in disappointment is when we begin to be open uh, to actually seek out God, you know? So once again, I think God is trying to lead man to seek that relationship. Uh, finally, in verse 21, um, it says, uh, this is me um, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them and this is just an amazing passion uh, passage showing God's provision and love right seeing that man is naked and ashamed uh, all covered only in fig leaves God himself you know takes takes the action to um, essentially end innocent life of some animal to provide a covering for man and I think what this shows is that God still loves man Right? He disciplines mankind for their sin, yet again, he doesn't leave them hanging. He himself makes for them a covering. And of course, we will see God do this in its ultimate act of reconciling our broken relationships with him by giving up the innocent life of himself, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and to bring us true forgiveness. And I still remember my own salvation story, how as a middle schooler, I fell into all sorts of sins. And uh, like Adam and Eve, I was blaming everyone around me. I was blaming my parents, blaming those around me, the way they treated me, even blaming God for how he created me. And in the midst of that blame, I saw that the fault lay squarely on me. And yet I was not condemned because the gospel message speaks a better word that says, I love you. I forgive you. I give up my son for you. Um, I took his life so that you could be clothed and your sin covered up. And again, you know, this picture of God wanting to restore the relationship. Finally, at the end of this passage, uh, God says, you know, let's, not let man stay in the garden of Eden uh, so that they won't live forever. Um, so he sent man out of the garden. Um, he put a cherubim there to guard it. And I was thinking, you know, um, this is essentially saying, yeah, man will not have eternal life. Um, and yet again, you know, a mercy from God, I think. 
right? To live forever in sin, I think that would be a horrible, um, horrible existence. Um, and then this other picture of, you know, what does death do? I think death ultimately forces people to think about life and eternity. Um, not that we all have the benefit of knowing how or when we'll die, but it's often in the face of sickness and death that people are humbled and softened to the gospel message the most. People are forced to reckon with their broken relationship with God, and hopefully they end up reconciling with God. Um, you know, I was thinking about the story of my uncle. Um, some of you guys have heard this story before, but um, you know, in his uh, late 60s, he had a battle with cancer. Um, and it was in that battle with cancer, um, as he was seeing his mortality, uh, that he started to think about these questions of God and life and meaning and purpose. Um, ultimately, long story short, um, through these reflections and some friends that reached out to him that were Christian, he became a Christian um, right before he died, a couple years before he died. And um, I was just thinking again, you know, even giving us the chance to face our own mortality, I think is a gift from God so that, you know, we have a chance to reconcile our relationship with him. Um, so once again, you know, Genesis 3, a really sad, tragic chapter. And at the same time, you know, a chapter that brings a lot of hope and gives us a good picture of God's character and his love for us and his desire to relate with us and even uh, force us in many ways uh, to relate with him. All right. So that's all for today. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.